Today, um, we have the privilege of closing out our Mile Markers series. And if you haven't been here with us uh, the past few weeks, let me just kind of break it down for you real quick. Is Mile Markers, they are what represent our different points along the journey. And we're all on a journey with God. And not all of our journeys look the same, but we have the same mile markers that can help us realize where we're at. And so uh, first, the first mile marker is that infant stage. It, trust me, I know exactly what the infant stage looks like because I have a seven-week-old baby girl named Taya Grace. She is gorgeous. She is awesome. Uh, but let me tell you, it's an exciting time, but it's a messy time. And it's a loud time, and there's a, t- uh, a time of new opportunities and new possibilities, but she needs our help for everything. And a lot of us, we come to know Jesus, and it's exciting, and it's loud, and it's messy, and we're all in, but we need a lot of help with other, uh, from other people to keep growing along uh, the path. And so then next is childhood. And it's that time to where we still need a lot of help from other people. We still are uh, learning a lot, getting a lot of direction, but we're actually starting now to put into process the things that we've learned, starting to take action with our own faith. And then we move into adolescence. And adolescence, it's the it's a middle school, the high school, the young adult stage to where we are growing, and but at the same time we are asking a lot of questions. There's a tension. Why do I believe this? Why do I do that? And so there's a lot of pushback. Sometimes there's a lot of stretching, um, but this um, is a really interesting time. And then finally, we are at the mature stage. This is a stage of solid, of foundation, of I know this, I believe this, I trust him, and just knowing who you are in Christ. But the amazing thing is, no matter what mile marker we find ourselves at, None of them are a finish line. They're all just a part of the story. They're not the destination. They're part of our destiny. And so what we want to talk to you about today is the fact that no matter where you find yourself along the journey is that you are not finished, that you have not yet crossed the finish line. And until you cross the finish line, there is still always movement that has to take place. And so today, the major key, the main point, if you could walk away with today, is this. Mile markers that help us focus on our destiny, not just our destination. You see, in our destination, it's a place of arrival. It's completion. It's an outcome. Like I said, it's a finish line. But here's what our destiny is. Our destiny tells us there is always more. There's a process, we have a purpose, we have a calling, and there are still things yet to happen. It does not matter if you find yourself an infant or mature, you have still more to go and God is not done with you yet, and that is good news. And so the destination is so important, but we can't lose track of our destiny along the way. And so a couple weeks ago, uh, myself, Pastor Phil, uh, a lot of the other youth staff, leaders, students, we got together and we did something I thought I would never do in my entire life. And we took part in something called 30 for Freedom, which was a 5K uh, or a 13-mile run or a 30-mile run to where hundreds of people came together and we all ran these different distances because we were raising money to help end human trafficking. And I'm not a runner. I'm not a runner at all. I don't run unless there's a dog behind me, okay? Or my kid's about to shove his finger in the electrical socket, which happens a lot more often than I'd like to admit. Um, but I'm not a runner at all. And uh, Brent Silkey, he put this, uh, this uh, race together, 
and he, um, he's raising all these funds, and I think it was like in December, he came to Pastor Phil and myself, and he just, he pitched the idea of 30 for Freedom. He said, we think it'd be a great opportunity for your church, for your students and leaders to get involved, catch the vision, and make a difference. And we're like, we're with you, brother. We're there. And in my mind, I'm like, but Phil, we're just raising money, right? <laughs> like, we're just taking some offerings. Like, I don't have to actually, like, put some shoes on and go out there, right? And uh, so, but we, we agreed to be a part of it. And uh, Phil, do you remember uh, that time that you walked into the office and you looked at me and you said? I said, bro, what are we trying to run? Okay. <laughs> you can run 5K, two, two and a half miles. You can run 13 miles or you can run 30 miles. I'm thinking about walking this 5K, okay? <laughs> but he comes at me and says, hey, what are we trying to run? And in my heart, I'm like, okay, I'm not doing any 5K. My pride swelled up. And I said, 13 miles, bro. And in my mind, I'm just like, oh, what did I just say? Get back in my mouth. Those words, trying to put them back in there. And he just takes a gulp. He's like, yeah, I was, th I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> and so then we got James and Jake. They're our youth pastors over at Maple Grove and Elk River. And uh, we pretty much told them, hey, guess what? You got to run 13 miles too because we're doing it and we're a team. And they just looked at us like they were about to quit. And uh, so, but we did it and we started training. Uh, we finished. We, hey, we, we finished. finished. Like, I'm alive, y'all. I'm still here. Yeah. We made it happen. It, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. We didn't qualify for anything, but no, we finished. I, yeah, I'm not, we didn't set any world <laughs> records. You weren't going to see me on NBC at the Olympics or anything like that, okay? Um, but I want to give a couple shout-outs real quick. Is uh, One, Primo Hill, uh, one of our students. Primo, he signed up to run and raise money. And he told us on race day, he said, hey, last week I had I'd raised $90. And that's an amazing thing. But he said, but, man, like God did an amazing thing. I raised an extra $1,000 this week. And so, man, he saw by his obedience, uh, stepping out, that God can make a difference. But then he also finished in first place of all, like, the hundreds of people that ran the 13-mile race. Like, Primo killed it. Killed it. And then, I got to give this shout-out because, you know, I'm, we're proud of our wives. Our wives, we, we've both had, that we have not had. They gave birth to, to children within this, just this year. We just had kids, and they both said, hey, we're still doing the 5K. And so, I don't know if you, you know, a lot of people, some people like Powerade, some people like Gatorade when they're running. What was our wives' Oh, they had the large Starbucks in hand and all. Yeah, they're just out there on Instagram, like, hey, we out here, 5K, drinking their, like, Starbucks. I'm crawling up hills with Phil, don't know what I'm doing. Uh, but you see, one of the things along the, along the run, there, there was water stations. And every three to four miles, is there would be, you would come to a point to where there was food, there was water, and there's people cheering you on. And every time you would get there, you'd be like, oh, thank you, Lord, water, thank you, Gatorade, thank you, trail mix, whatever it was they were giving me, I was taking it to try to get to the next point. But it made me think. It made me think because those water, those water stations, they were, they were mile markers. They weren't the finish line. But every time I made it that extra three, that extra four miles, I could look at myself, I could look at my teammates, and I could say, man, look how far we've run. But they were also not just a point of encouragement, but a place of reference to say, man, look how far we've come, but look how much farther we still have to go. And church, what we want to talk to you about today is the fact that, man, look how far you have come. It does not matter where you're at, but you can say, look where I used to be, look where I am now. And so there's a point of encouragement, no matter where you are. Whether you're an infant, child, adolescent, or point of maturity, it doesn't matter. 
where you are in comparison with other people. Look where you are, but man, I want to let you know there's still more for you to do. There's still more for you to go. And so whether you are aware of this or not, we're all on a journey. We are all at different stages in our lives. But when it comes to the mile markers in our lives, are we pursuing a destination or are we also pursuing a destiny? Today, we're going to look at an example in Scripture of someone who had the destination in mind, but they were overlooking their destiny. And then we want to break down uh, four different points of what a healthy runner along their mile marker journey looks like. So in uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22, that's where our core scripture is going to be today, um, we see Jesus, he's on a journey. He has a destination in mind. He's trying to get to Jerusalem, and he's walking with his disciples, and all of a sudden, you see Jesus, who is on his way to his destination, has a destiny encounter with somebody who is wondering about their destination, and he takes the time for them. And so we see here in verse 17, it says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You see right there, he was asking, how do I get to my final destination? How do I get that guaranteed spot? And then in verse 18, it says, why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only good, only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, You must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing that you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this The man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. You see, the rich young ruler, he came to Jesus with a goal in mind. He had a destination. He said, how do I get to heaven? How do I get eternal life? And Jesus looks at him, and it says that he looks at him with love. And he sees that this man's question, it's important, because he wants him to end up at the right destination. But Jesus knows you have a destiny on the way to your destination. We can't take shortcuts and overlook the things that God has prepared for us to do. There's all, we all have something that God is calling us to do and step out in obedience. And because Jesus knew, man, if you're following the, mark, the mile markers I'm placing out before you, you will arrive at your destination. And so I just want to encourage you today, if you are wondering, man, man, if I just pray the prayer and I ask Jesus in my heart, am I good? Man, I want to let you know Jesus is more concerned with you having a daily uh, choice of obedience every single day because by obeying him and pushing in closer to him every single day and embracing your destiny, you are going to end up where you're supposed to end up. And so um, as we were preparing to run, we, we, we are not runners, like at all, uh, unless there's a ball involved or like I said, a dog or something like that. And uh, uh, Pastor Phil, he was just, he was collecting so much information and he looked at us and he said, hey guys, I found an article. And it's the seven characteristics of a healthy runner. And we, man, we tried to apply those things the best we could, but we want to share four of those with you today on how that you can apply them to your mile marker journey. And so the first one is this, set various types of goals. Phil, what was like your ultimate goal running this Man, race? finish. Just finish. to finish. <laughs> like come out alive. Come out finish. alive, come you know to work the next day. Exactly. Finish. A, uh, get healthier, that was one. Yeah. That was one. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, 
we talked each other into getting a, a gym membership uh, to prepare for this thing. Y'all, I haven't seen that place in two months, but they've seen my bank account multiple times. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm considering what, what I'm gonna do with that. Uh, but we were trying to prepare, I was trying to get healthier, so we had goals in mind. Um, when training, uh, we, we utilized different apps, different running apps, where we could say, hey, we're running 13 miles on this day. And they would say, all right, for you to be able to run that on this day, here are the amount of miles you need to run uh, every week. And so we would try to hit those little, um, little things along the way. We were trying to eat healthier. Um, but we also, we just really wanted to finish together as a team. And so we found, this, um, we found this article, and it was saying how to set those goals properly. And it, came, and it, told, you, it told us about two different kinds of goals. Outcome goals, which you would call a destination goal, and process goals, which is pretty much a destiny goal. And so what it would say is outcome goals are, hey, I want to finish the race. Hey, I want to make sure that I lose X amount of pounds. Um, and they were also like really measurable to where you could say, hey, I want to finish the race in the top five. Or I want to, um, you know, I want to finish the race in this amount of uh, time, average mile pace or something like that. But then it would, it, the article went on to say that process goals are the thing that we should actually be embracing more um, even more than the outcome goals because the process goals are the only goals that are truly within our grasp that can help make sure that we get to those larger outcome goals that we have. You see, in a lot of us, we have big outcome goals. And all, let's, let's just admit it, like the ultimate outcome goal for all of us, it's heaven. We, we, we desire to be with the Lord one day. We want to step into his kingdom. That's, that is the ultimate outcome goal. But some of us, we also have different outcome goals in here. Some of us, we were married and we, our spouse doesn't know Jesus yet. And for you, the ultimate outcome goal would be for your husband or your, or your wife to come to know Jesus. And you've just been praying for them and just been begging, God, if you could just do that one thing, my life would be changed. Some of you, you have raised your kids in a godly home and they are not walking according to the way that you've raised them up. And you're praying for them night after night and you're on your knees just begging like, Lord, grab a hold of their life. And an outcome goal for you would be that my children grow up to love Jesus. And then also, just the ultimate out, um, outcome goal for all of us is that the lost would be found. So those are amazing outcome goals, but if we um, are just looking at those things in this big, broad, huge picture, we can miss out on the fact of the process goals that can help us get there. Like living a life of daily surrender, prayer, time in the word, worship, giving, having a giving spirit, sharing Jesus with those people around us. You see, when we find ourselves so focused so much on getting to a place of completion instead of a place of action, we'll find that we're running the wrong race. And so our second key that we come to here is enjoy the process. Look at your neighbor and say, enjoy the process. Enjoy the process. I'll say it with like some joy in there. Say, enjoy the process. Now, there, there's a process, so if I can be real with you guys, that I have a hard time enjoying, and that is when my lovely wife brings home a piece of furniture from Ikea, because I look at it, and I know the journey that's ahead between me and those instructions. Now, there are some brave souls in here that, like, men will look at it and go, I don't need directions for this, but I don't know if you've tried to set up Ikea furniture without directions, you're probably still trying to do that, and... <laughs> We'll, we'll volunteer some, some work there. But it's one of those things, you, it, it shows that you have to enjoy the process. You have to, because every mile marker journey has a process. 
It all does. We look back at the scripture here in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, when we uh, jump into verse 20, where the man says, teacher, I've obeyed all your commandments. And look at the man, Jesus, Jesus felt genuine love. And there's still something you haven't done. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Now, what's interesting about this is when you begin to look at it, this rich young ruler, he was trying to, to bypass the process. He was saying, hey, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but I kind of just want a, just a shortcut. I just want to kind of get here. Like, I understand that some other people have to go through that process, but I don't really feel like that's for me. Now, Jesus, in all of his brilliance, he understood that there were men, his disciples, that were following him, that were bought into the process, that were all in. Later in the scripture, Peter actually says, Jesus, we gave everything to follow you. So Jesus understood here are men and, and women that were following him that had given everything. And there was a moment where he goes, am I going to give this guy a discount on the process? But that's not what Jesus is about because he knows there was something he was trying to pull out of this young man. And a lot of times when we try to bypass the process, we miss out on what God is trying to show us. We are missing out on what God is trying to reveal to us. Because what happens is we have just enough Jesus to be informed, but not enough to be transformed. Because there's, it requires a process of these valley moments that God has taken us through where he's trying to show us something, where he's trying to reveal something to us. But the question is, do we trust him enough to step into that process saying, God, you are who you say you are. Even though my friend, my neighbor, it doesn't seem like they ever go through any valleys, doesn't seem like they ever go through anything, I'm gonna trust you because you are trying to reveal something to me. You are trying to, to reveal something within the destiny, within the destination you are taking me. And I trust you in that process because it's within that process that you begin to discover some purpose. You begin to discover some of what God had originally intended in that moment because there's a purpose for your process. Can I encourage you with that this morning? There's a purpose. God doesn't randomly throw it on you like, oh, this is gonna be fun. Let's, let's watch Wes go through this one. It's like, no, there's a purpose in the process. There is. Our third key here today, as we are on this mile marker journey, pursuing not just a destination, but destiny, is we got to learn to run at different speeds. You have to learn to run at different speeds. Mile markers happen at different speeds. And I've learned that as a parent. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten was, be careful. The days crawl by, but the years will fly by. The days will crawl by, and I have seen that now. My wife and I have two beautiful baby boys, and I'm, I'm watching one, and I turn to the other one. I'm like, you learned what word? And it's one of those things. It's like just they move at the speed of life. And a lot of times, though, if we're looking at it, we get comfortable with a certain pace. We get comfortable. And so when you look at the text, the rich young ruler, he's saying, hey, Jesus, I've done all those things. I'm a super Christian. I got the varsity patch on my jacket. I'm great. I've been checking those off on the daily. But Jesus was saying like, hey, there's something in you, young man. There's something in you that you have yet to discover and it's gonna require a different pace. It's gonna require a different speed. And we have these battles with Jesus sometimes because he's like, hey, I, I want you to, to run at a different speed. I want you to slow down in this season. Or, hey, I, I think there's, there's, a diff, there's some hills coming up. You're gonna have to switch it up. But what we do, we go, God, I'm good. I'm comfortable in this space. I'm comfortable in this lane. I'm comfortable at this speed. That's for someone else. That's not for me. Because this, this is good. This is easy. I'm used to this. 
And if we're not careful, once again, it's one of those things. God's trying to pull something else out of us. He's trying to take us on a journey, but we got to be willing to let him stretch us. Now, I mean, Pastor, let's, let's be real. When we approach those hills on that half marathon, were we running the same pace? Okay. <laughs> we, were like, we were like five miles in, and we're, some of us feeling good, some of us aren't. We're not going to name any names. I wasn't feeling too hot. Uh, but we're going, and all of a sudden, you see this hill. And it's like, oh, look, it's a little bump. Like, it just kept going. And first, I thought, devil, not today. You're not going to do this to me. And then second, I thought of John Carlos, which may sound a little weird, but I just heard his voice in my head singing, fear is not bigger than God. And I, just, I was just going. I was going to make it happen. But... <laughs> I never thought I'd sing on the mic. It was like, that's the farthest I'll ever go. But uh, no, when, we hit the, when we hit that hill, we all looked at each other and were like, let's lock it in. And we had, yeah. we, had to shift, we had to shift how fast we were going. And when you look at that, here's something that we have to ask ourselves. God, what are you doing? Because here's what we've come to understand and what I believe when we look at the text. If God is changing your pace, it's because he's wanting to take you to a different place. If God is changing your pace, he is wanting to take you to a different place. I mean, there's something new that you have not yet seen. There's something new that if you just, if you slow down long enough to catch what I'm trying to show you or to speak to you, or hey, listen, you've been at this one pace for so long, I think it's time for you to hop back into certain, well, God, I, I, I'm in my lane, I'm, I'm comfortable right now. God is asking to switch up that pace for a reason. He's not just, it's not just random. It's not just to see us like struggle. He's wanting to take you to a different place. But once again, it comes back, do you trust him? Do you trust him? Like, God, I don't know why you have me out here doing this but I trust you, I trust you. Our final key here today, this might be our toughest one. This might be one of the most difficult ones for us to apply, and that is to celebrate. Learning to celebrate not just the big wins, but even the small ones. I'm not talking about giving a blue ribbon to everyone or trophies or anything like that, but to celebrate. Now, um, my wife and I, we've been married for six years, two weeks ago. There it is, get it. Um, now there was, I had to adjust, because my wife is Italian and I had never met really an Italian family before I met my wife's family and they are full Italian. Like, hey, we're gonna have a snack and then you walk in, it's Thanksgiving. You're like, that's <laughs> awesome. That's, that's what I was thinking, that's, that's great. But what I've learned from my mother-in-law and we, I'm so blessed by my in-laws, couldn't ask her a better uh, bunch of them and man, they know how to celebrate. She has a picnic for everything, it's like, Boxing Day, you're like, all right, here we go. President's Day, it's like, is it Christmas or? No, this is, this is everything, awesome, great. Uh, there was one time my wife was telling me she walked in the house and there was groceries all over the counter. She goes, what are we celebrating? She goes, we're starting a small group. This is amazing. And we're like, yes, that requires emptying all of Sam's club out. That's great, yeah. And there was this kind of, this trend, every time I would come out, it was, it just so happened to be pool cleaning season. And it's like, hey, Phil, we need you to clean the pool. I'm like, oh, great, I'm just kind of working my way into the family, I guess, here we go. But what would happen, every time I would finish cleaning this pool, I would look out and neighbors are coming over, there's people in the backyard, I'm like, mom, what's going on? She goes, we're throwing a party, the pool's open, this is amazing, and it's like, yes, this is great. But I was learning, it, wasn't, it didn't matter how big the, uh, the day was or how small the event was. 
She was gonna make you feel like this was something special. And what I, what I found is it's in celebration. Celebration communicates value. Celebration communicates value. And when we celebrate, it also communicates value for the progress that has been made. Catch that. We're not saying like, oh, blue ribbon, you're the best. No, we're saying, hey, I know that took a lot for you to step out and do that. Hey, I know you put a lot of work into that. Hey, I know you might not be as far as your friend, but you made progress. And we're gonna celebrate the progress that you were made because God values you and he values that effort. We see, and sometimes we go, well, everybody gets celebrated now. I don't, I don't wanna celebrate. See, as followers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, Jesus encourages us to be marked by that love. And one of the ways we show that is how we celebrate those around us how we encourage those around us. I love how if you look at scripture, Jesus, even in the little moments of a child coming to him, celebrates the act of faith. Where others are saying, no, no, that's not that big of a deal. Like, I, like no, why are we, no. This is the faith of a child. And he celebrates even those little moments. So what would it look like for us as followers of Jesus that even though we might not be as far down the road as we would like to celebrate those that are on the journey with us? to look at those that might not be as far as or even ahead of us to celebrate them. I love what Bishop T.D. Jakes says. He has a quote. He goes, a hater is someone that can't celebrate your success during their suffering. Don't be a hater, church. Don't be a hater. Can we, I mean, what, let's think about it. What would it look like if a body of believers, three campuses, that it didn't matter where we were at in our season, whether we're in a valley, we're on a mountaintop, but that the, our coworkers, people who are away from God, people that we've been doing life with, that if we learn to celebrate the progress in their lives, the, the mile marker moments, because here's what I understand. Some of them might be at that 5K. You're like, oh, okay, that's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a short race. That's, that's, a, that's kind of easier. But some are at that half marathon. Some are doing that 30 mile race that we talked about. Everyone deserves to know that they have a fan. Everyone deserves to be celebrated because here's what I believe. I believe the love of Christ can be seen in those moments with us. And what we're gonna do, we're gonna put some of this into practice right now. And uh, what I'd like to do is if you are a high school graduate or a college graduate, doesn't matter what age, how long you've been in school, if you graduated this past year, could you please stand up so that we could honor you right now? So if you're a high school or a college grad, yes, come on. Give it up, yep. Stay standing, this is gonna be an introvert's nightmare. I understand this is an introvert's nightmare. Stay standing. If you are by someone who just graduated, can we just put a hand on them? Or if you're um, just away from this, stretch a hand towards them. We're just gonna pray a prayer of blessing for them as they get ready to step out into this next season of life, no matter if it's high school or college grad. So dearly, Father God, right now, we thank you for the journey, God, that are represented by those standing right now, Lord God. We thank you that your hand has been upon them, Lord God, that, Lord, that this may be a finish line or an end of a chapter, but God, there's more to be done, God. You have more ahead of them, God. And Lord, we just pray that your blessing would be on them, God, as they continue to venture out, God, into the new seasons that you have, in the new journeys, and the new adventure, God, the new mile markers yet to come. And God, may you continue to surround them with people that are gonna cheer them on, Lord God.
May you surround them with God, that people that are gonna lift their arms, God, that are gonna encourage them. And God, as they step out, God, may they feel the support of their church, Lord Jesus, of Emmanuel, God. May they have the redwood faith, God, a root system that is interconnected, God, that in those valley seasons, God, that they would feel the support and encouragement, God, of your people, Lord, surrounding them and rallying around them, Lord, as they continue to move forward on the journey that you have them on. It's all this we ask you and thank you for. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen. 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 Hey, give it up one more time for our grads. If you're a grad, reminder, we have a, a small gift for you out in Lobby 2 afterwards. So make sure you stop by and grab that on your way out. I'm going to close with this story. So this 30 for Freedom race that we had mentioned uh, multiple times here today, the founder of it was a man by the name of Brent Silkey. Um, and just God had put it on his heart to end human trafficking by the end of his life. And he wanted to see human trafficking uh, just totally erased. And so that's where this whole 30 for Freedom came about. And so it was so cool that stuck out to me about Brent. Brent, he's, he's sitting at the finish line and the 5K runners come through and he's sitting there and he high fives every one of them. And the half marathon people start finishing and Brent's out there. He's the first one giving everyone a high five. He's the first one out there celebrating them. There's a couple of the half marathon people that were legging a little behind and started walking. Brent runs from the finish line and runs back to the finish line with them alongside of them. And then we're, I mean, we're tired, we're wiped and we're like, hey, we're gonna go get Chick-fil-A. Brent, you want anything? He goes, no, my 30 mile guys are, and girls are about to start coming back and I want them to see me. I want, I want to be the first person that's congratulating them. So we go off and, and we go and have our dinner the rest of our day. But that night we get a photo. It's late at night. And we look and it's from Brent Silkey. And what had happened was he had celebrated, he had um, congratulated every 30 mile runner that had come across. There was 500 people running that day, y'all. He sat there and gave every one of them a high five, congratulated them. And after the last runner crossed the finish line, Brent went and ran 30 miles. And here's what stuck out to me about that. You see, a lot of times we think of this celebration or this sometimes discipleship as I just need to sit still and encourage. There is still a race to be ran. There is still a race to be ran. The whole heart of this series is what does it look like to be a fully devoted follower, a disciple of Christ? That in the spiritual maturity stages that we have, here's what I wanna encourage you church as we move forward. We can't sit still. Now I'm not saying be busy and like neglecting a Sabbath or not resting, but here's the thing. When it comes to destiny, there is more yet to be done. There are lives yet to be saved. There is a harvest yet to be reaped. And that's not going to be, ha that's not going to happen with us just sitting in our comfort zone. That's not going to happen with us just running at our okay, the speed that we're okay with. But what that's going to come from is us coming alongside generations. We are a multi-generational church and we all need each other. Millennials, we can't just sit and wait for boomers and extras to come reach down to us and say, oh, hey, I'm gonna come alongside and mentor you. No, we need to make sure we're chasing them as well. We need to make sure that we're also praying for the boomers and extras above us. They have seen things and experienced things that we have yet to experience. I am thankful for the Hello Possible campaign because for me as a millennial, it has stretched me. Now, I don't have a story like someone on a video right now, but what I have seen is God has dropped um, just moments where he has shown himself faithful. So as millennials, we need to step up. We need to stop saying, well, they don't have a program for me. Well, I don't like the worship. Well, I don't like this. 
Listen, God, listen, God is not about a God of comfort. It's about action. We gotta get up and go. Boomers and Xers, that is for you as well, if I could be so bold to speak to that. There is never a reason or a season in our life where we could go, I've done enough, I'm good. I wanna be a follower of Jesus that until my last breath leaves my body, that when God says, well done, I wanna have him say that in the process of us doing something. Can I also say, I don't want this to be a church where we go to heaven alone. What I mean by that, I want, I want to see people here, and I know this is Pastor Nate's heart, that we almost have to dial a Holy Spirit line and say, God, you need to send out a bus, because right now there's a harvest down here that I'm not coming up by myself, that God, there's people that we are reaching. Because that's our church's mission statement. That's what God's put on our pastor's heart, to reach those away from God, to grow in faith and live a life of purpose. That doesn't happen sitting still. That doesn't happen just complaining about your valley. That doesn't happen just staying in your own comfort zone. It, it, no. But here's why I know. It's, it's different. It's a different pace for everyone. But let's do that together. Let's learn to celebrate each other. Let's learn to build each other up. Because here's what's going to happen. We're going to begin to see a harvest come in. Not for the glory of Emmanuel with the chairs, but I believe we're going to begin to see at all three campuses that we are going to begin to see people flooding through our doors, people that we would never hang out with. And that's good. That's okay. Because what's going to happen is God's going to begin to do something in the businesses in this community, the education systems, not just in these church walls, but it's going to come from those that are saying, God, it's not about just a destination there's a destiny tied into this, that there is work to be done, that when we say the best is yet to come, that's not just to say the blessings are behind us. We have a rich history here at Emmanuel, 54 years. But can I, if I could be so bold with what Pastor Daniel said and then would believe, there's, he had a vision for 10,000. There's a destiny, there are blessings ahead of us. And it's gonna take all of us. Millennials, not just boomers and Xers. It's gonna take every generation working together as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, to begin to till the soil that God has called us to in our communities. Can we do that, church? Can we do that? All right, so here's how I'm gonna close. I'm gonna have everyone stand on up, have everyone stand on up.